Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while, but uh, I am back and uh, ready to serve you more content. So today's topic of discussion, I'm just going to basically warm myself up a little bit by discussing or going over uh, the fats that your child, and I I would just say your whole family, your child and your, your entire family's diet should consist of and the fats that you should try to avoid as much as possible. And when I say should, of course, you can do whatever you want. This is just, um, it's basically, when I say should, I mean if you want to uh, set yourself up for the the best success in terms of uh, your your family's health. So you may already be aware certain fats are more healthy than others, of course, uh, but there are still, unfortunately, a lot of misconceptions with what, what exactly the healthy fats are, what what makes a fat healthy, what makes a, a fat unhealthy, and, you know, is there... Is there middle ground in some cases when, when and there is as we shall see later. So just to preface this, I'm going to be reading over bits and pieces from a book called Nourishing Traditions, the cookbook that challenges politically correct nutrition and so on and so forth. Uh, it's called Nourishing Traditions, basically. And it's by Sally Fallon Morell. She is very well known in the kind of Western price if you know the Western Price Foundation, she's kind of in the ancestral health sort of space. She's a really amazing author. Uh, got a, a few of her books. This one I would highly recommend. It's a cookbook, but there's a lot of good information to help you basically eat closer to the more anse- ancestral way of eating. Uh, she's also got a great book called... Um, uh, the Nourishing Traditions of Baby and Child Care, which is another great book, uh, especially for newer parents or, or parents-to-be, or if you're expecting a second child and you want to make some uh, improvements in diet and lifestyle according to ancestral wisdom. So highly recommend the book. Um, let's start with a couple of, let's just clear up a couple of misconceptions. I don't want to go into it in much detail because you really don't need to bog down with the details, but the two massive misconceptions that are still out there, even though we've had decades of research and uh, epidemiological data and other studies that have shown that it's not true, is that, for, okay, so the two things are people fear saturated fats and cholesterol. So uh, people think that a diet high in saturated fats uh, will kill you, will give you heart disease, will block your, clog up your arteries, and cholesterol, high cholesterol is really, really bad. And so let me go over some of the points that Sally makes in her book. Again, uh, these points, you, you find them all over the internet in many health books that are not sponsored by Big Pharma, let's just say. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I just picked this book because the information is like in, a, in, in one place ready to kind of disseminate and with a little bit of discussion in my way. So, uh, quoting from the book, the demonized saturated fats, which Americans are trying to avoid, are not the cause of our modern diseases. In fact, they play many important roles in body chemistry. Saturated fats constitute, constitute at least 50% of the cell membranes, 
giving them necessary stiffness and integrity so they can function properly. They play a vital role in the health of our bones. For calcium to be effectively incorporated into skeletal structure, at least 50% of the dietary fats should be saturated. They protect the liver from uh, toxins, including Tylenol. They enhance the immune system. They are needed for the proper utilization of essential fatty acids. So the omega-3 fatty acids are better retained in the tissues when the diet is rich in saturated fats. Saturated 18-carbon stearic acid and 16-carbon palmitic acid are the preferred foods for the heart. So these are specific types of uh, saturated fatty acids. They are the preferred foods for the heart, which is why the fat around the heart muscle is highly saturated. Interesting. The heart draws on this reserve of fat in times of stress. So, you know, I don't know if you ever looked at chicken giblets, the the heart of any animal, like, you know, you you won't usually see it uh, but you can get chicken organs, you know, we get them organic. And um, you can see a lot of fat around the heart. So that's the saturated fat that she talks about. It's to give, it's a, it's a energy reserve that the heart has. And then short and medium chain saturated fatty acids have important antimicrobial properties. They protect us against harmful microorganisms in the, di- in the digestive tract. So uh, medium chain triglycerides, you may have heard this, MCT oil, which is derived from coconuts and palm uh, oil that actually is very good for uh, candida, fungal type stuff, so you can rub it on the skin. Um, My uh, mother-in-law rubbed uh, rubbed some of this uh, um, MCT oil. It's It's actually a specific... One, it's uh, caprylic acid. It's only that uh, medium-chain triglyceride. So my mother-in-law took some of that, rubbed it on on our on my daughter's head, and completely got rid of the cradle cap in just one application. So, you know, it it, it it's amazing how we didn't think of that with my wife. But um, there you go. So uh, antibacterial, antifungal properties. So. Uh, So Sally goes on to say the scientific evidence honestly evaluated does not support the assertion that quote-unquote artery-clogging saturated fats cause heart disease. And I have multiple books I can talk about. There's one called The Great Cholesterol Con, uh, uh, The Big Fat Surprise, Good Calories, Bad Calories. These are books, Why We Get Fat. These are really good books uh, for the layperson uh, that explain that saturated fat and cholesterol are not the reason uh, for heart disease, strokes, and all that kind of stuff, right? So let's carry on about a little bit about cholesterol. Uh, like, like saturated fats, the cholesterol we make, so we, we make it in the body. The cholesterol we make and consume plays many vital roles. Along with saturated fats, cholesterol in the cell membrane gives our cells necessary stiffness and stability. So it's a structural compound. When the diet contains an excess of polyunsaturated fatty acids, these replace saturated fatty acids in the cell membrane so that the cell walls actually become flabby. When this happens, cholesterol from the blood is driven into the tissues to give them structural integrity. This is why serum cholesterol levels 
may go down temporarily when we replace saturated fats with polyunsaturated fats. So just to, uh, I guess, simplify this, so polyunsaturated fatty acids, these are the om- omega-3s and omega-6s. And if you take in through the diet a lot of sunflower oils, ve- vegetable and seed oils, safflower, canola, etc., these are very high in omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids. And if you don't have enough saturated fatty acids, the body will take the next best thing available to it in order to create cell membranes for the cells. Now, these polyunsaturated fatty acids are more pliable, which is, it's like, instead of building your house with bricks, let's say, you find some some pla- plastic Coke bottles and where the, you don't have enough bricks, you just put in plastic Coke bottles. Think about how much more, how, how much less stable your structure will be if you have like every, for every sixth or seventh brick, you have some uh, plastic Coke bottles that, you, you, that you're shoving in there. So that's kind of a, a good, I suppose, um, analogy for what happens when we don't have enough saturated fatty acids in the diet, right? So then uh, next point Sally uh, makes in the book, cholesterol acts as a precursor to vital corticosteroids, which are hormones that help us deal with stress and protect the body against heart disease and cancer, and to the sex hormones like androgen, testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone. So cholesterol is basically a precursor for a bunch of hormones, sex hormones and stress hormones. So like cortisol and um, aldosterone, a a bunch of these uh, hormones that basically make, you know, in many ways make us human. They they help us function. So they they help us uh, develop. So especially for boys, testosterone is mega important. Um, In fact, this reminds me, in one of uh, one of the the books I have on autism, I think there's definitely some studies that show uh, a subset of children are actually low in cholesterol, and some uh, practitioners recommend cholesterol supplementation for for those kids, and they've had benefit from that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, let's just continue on, and then I'll, I'll, I'll summarize a bit later. So, cholesterol is a precursor to vitamin D, which is a, a, a vital fat soluble vitamin needed for healthy bones a nervous system, proper growth, mineral metabolism, muscle tone, insulin production, reproduction and immune system function. And if you have, if you have bought my book, if you've checked out my book, you probably know that um, often autistic children's vitamin D levels are quite low. And I, it is one of the supplements that I do recommend in my book. And which reminds me to tell you, if you are tuning into this podcast and you have not yet checked out my book, Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy, I would highly recommend that you check it out. It's on Amazon, available in um, paperback and Kindle. And in there, you know, there's a ton of information on, on everything uh, from the health challenges autistic children experience to um, how to clean up the diet, the uh, guide to the gluten-free casein-free diet. Um, I talk about supplementation, uh, lab testing, 
there's two chapters on supplementation. There's I, I talk about improving sleep hygiene, reducing toxic toxic exposure. So uh, a lot of the content I discuss on the podcast, but in in a very succinct form in 300 pages with scientific references. So great resource, I truly believe. And uh, I would just highly recommend to put that into your library and just peruse it every few days. You'll get so many good ideas on how to improve your your child's diet, your, uh, just your, your lifestyle around um, basically just uh, creating uh, conditions for for health for a healthy thriving family i I truly believe that um a lot of the advice there if if applied can you know just do wonders for for a family's uh health anyway continuing on with uh cholesterol the bile salts are made from cholesterol bio is vital for digestion and assimilation of dietary fats then recent research shows that cholesterol acts as an antioxidant. This is likely explanation for the fact that cholesterol levels go up with age. As an antioxidant, cholesterol protects us against free radical damage that leads to heart disease and cancer. Cholesterol is needed for proper function of serotonin receptors in the brain. Serotonin is the body's natural feel-good chemical. Low cholesterol levels have been linked to aggressive and violent behavior depression and suicidal tendencies so to repeat that low cholesterol levels have been linked to aggressive and violent behavior depression and suicidal tendencies mother's milk is especially rich in cholesterol and contains a special enzyme that helps the baby utilize this nutrient babies and children need cholesterol rich foods throughout their growing years to ensure proper development of the brain and nervous system and then finally, dietary cholesterol plays an important role in, min- in maintaining the health of the intestinal wall. This is why low cholesterol vegetarian diets can lead to leaky gut syndrome and other intestinal disorders. So I know I rattled all of those points very quickly, but um, you know, it's you don't really need to know the stuff off by heart. You don't really need to understand it super well unless you want to go deeper into it. And if you do want to go deeper into it, again, there's really good books out there about this stuff so uh, i would some of them you can get them on audiobook as well so gary taubes t-a-u-b-e-s has two books called uh good calories bad calories is one and why we get fat is the other one really good books you can also get them on audible uh amazon's audible so in audiobook format really um really explain everything very well and you don't have to be very technical and then there's the Great Cholesterol Con by Dr. Malcolm Kendrick, another good book, also on available on audiobook. Um, that that's a really good one. And uh, Nina, what's her name? Nina Teichholz. So T E I C H O L Z, I believe is the um, the uh, spelling. And the book is called The Big Fat Surprise. Actually, that one is also available in, in audiobook uh, as well as obviously regular another really good investigative reporting book um, about how cholesterol and saturated fat became demonized uh, basically in the 50s 60s and so on and that led to the low fat diet craze and all this other nonsense right so to summarize cholesterol and saturated fat are really important for for everybody 
but especially for, for children that are still growing and developing. And of course, this leads me to to the actual topic of today's um, episode, which is which fats should and shouldn't you consume? And when I say, I know it's a children's health podcast, but it's very difficult to implement something in the family that you don't do yourself. Uh, so, and also it's a little bit, uh, I suppose, hypocritical if if you're if you're just restricting certain fats from your child's diet, but you consume them yourself. You know, it's a little bit. It it doesn't exactly set the right example. So, I believe a lot of these dietary changes, the whole family needs to make them. Now, obviously, you're not going to all go gluten free, casein free diet if you. Um, if your child is doing that, but you know, replacing fats with healthier alternatives, replacing foods with organic foods, um, re- you know, removing certain bad foods for everybody. I think that just it's it's great in terms of supporting your child. So let's uh, discuss. So we, you may know that there's three types of <clears throat> fats: saturated, as we've been talking about monounsaturated and polyunsaturated so you know a- animal products are quite high on saturated fats probably uh, olive oil is a good source of monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats are uh, so you have the omega-3s which are in certain uh, seeds seeds uh, and uh, uh, fatty fish and then you have the omega-6s which are very high in um, vegetable and seed oils. So let's just discuss which which are good, which are bad, and how you know which specific types of fats uh, would be recommended on a healthy diet, and which you would want to exclude. So let's start with the, uh, I guess, more saturated fats or the um, the animal derived fats. So you have your duck and goose fat. These are great for cooking. They're about 35% saturated, 52% monounsaturated, and 13% polyunsaturated fat. So you would think a lot of these um, uh, animal-derived products, you would think are all or mostly saturated fat. But as you just see, as you can just see here, duck and goose fat is actually, it's 52% monounsaturated and 35% saturated fat, right? It's great for cooking. Um, uh, the omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acid ratio depends on what the diet of the the birds. Uh, then you have, uh, so th- this is a good, uh, just to kind of say, this is a good fat. Duck and goose fat are great for cooking. Um, for, let's say you want to do oven chips, instead of using sunflower oil to drizzle the chips in, you would, I would, I would, I, this is what I do. Is I just use duck fat or goose fat. You can just buy it in the store here. But we also sometimes buy um, duck breasts, and there's a lot of fat on, on the on the one side of the 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 duck breast. So my wife just cuts that out, and we freeze it, and then you can use it in whatever, either in cooking to, to as a you know, even if you want to do like an omelet, you can just use a little bit of that. Or you can keep it in the fridge, cut a little bit, and and throw it in the pan. Or you can um, it, the the duck and goose fat in a jar that you buy from the store. It's 
when it gets to room temperature, it be kind of becomes more um, liquidy. So you can just chop your potatoes, uh, throw some some salt and some herbs and spices, whatever you like, and then a, a couple of tablespoons of the the duck uh, or goose fat, and then just really shake and drizzle that all around. Throw that in the oven, and the the fat really just gives an amazing flavor to the chips or whatever else you're you're baking. It. Oh God, I'm just getting hungry <laughs> talking about it, and I've just had lunch. So let's just move on here. So chicken fat is another one that you can cook with. Of course, it's it's very healthy chicken fat. Like the the thing about chicken skin is a lot of fat in it, but um, there's a lot of collagen in there. And I, as I talk about in my book, uh, like chicken wings are amazing for kids because you've got protein and fat <clears throat> and collagen. So you got the collagen, which has glycine, which is an amino acid that is. A, uh, a precursor to glutathione, the ma- quote-unquote master antioxidant of the cell in the body. So um, it's good for the detoxification system. Plus glycine is a calming amino acid. So uh, it can contribute to actually to better sleep and just kind of a more, yeah, it's a it's a nervous system inhibitor. So many benefits there, right? So, so far, just to kind of summarize, I know I'm going very quickly in this, first episode that I haven't done in a while, but I will find a rhythm and slow down next time. I'm just in a little bit of a rush to put this out for you because I've been very excited about doing it for weeks now. I just finally got the time. So far, good fats. Duck and goose fat, great. Chicken fat, great. Next up is lard or pork fat. This is again 40% saturated, 48% monounsaturated. So good. these are the good fats uh, uh, generally. So lard, if you can get it, or pork fat is actually great for cooking and it imparts really nice flavor. Uh, beef and mutton tallow. So tallow, again, great. It's 50 to 55% saturated and again, about 40% monounsaturated. So very good. So these are these are the animal fats so far and they're really traditional um uh, ancestral type uh, ways to cook with these fats and anytime again that we can incorporate more traditional ancestral uh, ways of, of cooking and eating and living uh, it's just more in tune with how how we are adapted to live right there's a lot of garbage nowadays a lot of fake foods and highly processed things that we were just for thousands and thousands of years we were not um living with these things you know like artificial light and uh, uh, all the stuff that's ex- extracted from seeds with <clears throat> solvents and whatever else so or being so close to ele- electrical uh, sources of electromagnetic frequencies and pollution so these these are not natural things so the more we can mitigate and reduce these uh and the more we can live in tune with how we lived, um, you know, 200 even, even 200 or 100 years ago, the better off health-wise we will be. Anyway, uh, that was a bit of a digression. Now, in terms of the plant oils and fats, let's talk about, first up is olive oil. So this one is um, about 75% 
monounsaturated fat and uh, it has a little bit of the other two fats. So 13% uh, saturated and 10 uh, omega-6 and a little bit of uh, omega-3. So olive oil is great. Uh, I would just tell you, try to buy organic olive oil. Now looking at the prices nowadays, there's not even that big of a price difference between organic and uh, conventional conventionally grown uh where i live it's one to two euro price per bottle and um yeah so olive oil i we even cook sometimes you, you can cook to a certain i forgot exactly which to what temperature i believe it's in celsius terms i i believe up to like 150 or 175 degrees you can cook with it it doesn't oxidize and um burn um you can do gentle, uh, let's say, it has a little bit of a flavor, as you may know, it has a little bit of a flavor, so it doesn't really, it, it imparts its flavor on a lot of things, but once you get used to it, like where I live in Portugal, it's it's all, it's, it's after water, it must be the next more, most ingested uh, uh, liquid. So really good, really good just to incorporate more olive oil and just in salads and whatever else replace any other oils that i will cover next uh as much as possible with this much healthier uh alternative so which brings me to the so olive oil good so all the ones we cover now are good let's talk about some that i consider i basically think they should be minimized as much as possible and uh, to a great extent this is echoed in the book here in the nourishing tradition uh, cookbook. So we got peanut oil. This this is basically high in omega six. So it, as Sally says in the book, it presents a potential danger. So she says so use of peanut oil should be strictly limited. Next up, sesame oil. Again, forty. So just to go back a second, so peanut oil is thirty four percent omega six. Sesame oil is 43% omega-6. And again, she recommends, uh, you know, you shouldn't use it exclusively for stuff. So next up, uh, these are the, the kind of common ones nowadays. Safflower, corn, sunflower oil, soybean oil, and cottonseed oil. So sunflower oil and, and soybean oil are very, very common. And these all contain over 50% omega-6, uh, except soybean oil, and very minimal amounts of omega-3. So just to kind of, I, I suppose I didn't really cover what's the problem with omega-6. Um, so the polyunsaturated f uh, fatty acids, we have omega-3s and omega-6s. And omega-3s, are considered the healthy ones and omega-6s uh th there's there's problems with them because okay first of all both polyunsaturated fats uh both omega-3s and omega-6s are less let's say stable and much more prone to uh damage and oxidation so from heat and uh, just becoming rancid over time um just being exposed to oxygen over time kind of causes them uh, to become rancid so uh the Big problem is the ratio nowadays. So back in the day, uh, uh, researchers estimate that our 
ratio of ingested omega threes to omega six was between one one to one to um, one to four in terms of so, so for let's say for every gram of omega three you would get one to four grams of omega six so one to one to one to four or one to two uh, this is what they estimate. Nowadays, with the industrialization and, and uh, industrial agriculture and all these pesticides and uh, fertilizer, the ability to grow a crap load of sunflower or soybean uh, and the extraction process, it just it's cheap and fast and you can they've been able to create just humongous amounts of these oils. and of course, They've been uh, promoting them as heart healthy and all sorts of nonsense for for decades now, and people have been buying them because they were cheaper. Of course, even everywhere, uh, sunflower oil is cheaper than olive oil, and soybean oil and sunflower oil are just added to so many foods now because they're the cheapest, uh, basically, oil to use, and. Um, yeah, so nowadays we take we take in way too many omega sixes compared to omega threes, which can cause uh, basically inflammatory states in the body. This is particularly bad for children uh, with any condition, autism, ADHD, gut problems, anything really. So what we are trying to do when in, when we talk about improving autistic kids' diet. Um, and health is we really need to limit and minimize these omega six oils that they're uh, and um, they're not all only omega six but they're very high in omega six. So just to reiterate what the ones that should be limited for all all folks that basically want to be healthy and have a healthier diet: safflower, corn, sunflower, and soybean. Those are the two big ones, and cottonseed oils, and then. Uh, sesame seed, peanut oil. So basically, except olive oil, most of the other... Uh, uh, okay, olive olives are a fruit. These other ones, they're, these are um, beans, uh, seeds. So, you know, corn, sunflower, soybean, peanut. The peanut is, a, I believe, a legume. Uh, Sesame. So these are seed oils. They're, they're called vegetable oils, but they're you know they're actually seed most for the most part seed oils. And uh, yeah, so these should be these are the, these are the ones you really want to limit for your child and your family in general. The more you limit these, uh, the better your health will be long term. Of course, it, it, it's not the only thing that you need to do. Obviously, you know that very well, especially if, if you've if you've read uh, any part of my book or listen to this podcast for any amount of time you know there's multiple things we need to do to to put put all the pieces together for a healthy diet and lifestyle but this is a great first step i tell you honestly one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, con- i believe one of the biggest contributors to to the the horrendous health statistics we have right now is just the overconsumption of these seed oils they are truly a poison Especially, I think about it like this now. Let me just paint it in an even rosier picture. Look at the soy. Soy. So you you could be in in the in the in the United States, you could be talking about GMO, genetically modified soy, that's then sprayed with um, 
uh, herbicides, uh, glyphosate, fertilizers, uh, synthetic chemicals and pesticides. So this, what, what do we, and then, then you take this and then it's uh, in many ways. Uh, so in terms of extraction, cold extraction, like with pressure and uh, milling, you know, this is one way, it's the healthier way, but a lot of these are extracted with solvents. So hexane and just, uh, just toxic substances, right? So they be, a lot of them become rancid through this process. And then, then think about it, it goes to a restaurant or, uh, you know, a, a food producer. And now they are heating these oils. They're cooking with a high temperature in a the restaurant. They might be doing the potatoes, uh, the fries uh, with multiple batches. So it's keep, it keeps getting heated and becomes more rancid and more oxidized. And this goes into the body and we have when we have low amounts of omega-3 uh, to mitigate the effects of too much uh, omega-6, that is a recipe for disaster health-wise, right? So just to reiterate one more time, I, I if, if I had it my way, I would never ever eat peanut oil, sesame oil, safflower, corn, sunflower oil, soybean oil, and cottonseed oil. In fact, in my house, the only reason I have uh, of all of these, I think maybe we have a little bottle of sesame oil, and it's okay, like on a salad once in a while, no, no worries. Um, I the only reason I have one bottle of sunflower oil is because uh, my cast iron pans, it's it's one of the best oils to season them. You know, when you when you um, rub it all over the pan and then you stick it in the oven on high temperature it basically turns it into like a pla almost like a plastic polymer that seasons the pan so it prevents um rust and it's it makes cooking on it easier so food doesn't stick so that's why i have it there and i don't use it much i actually have a little bottle of avocado oil that i use more um for for, for cooking on cast iron and then i just keep the sunflower sunflower oil occasionally if i need if i need to reseason i haven't really needed that to do that i would never even think about buying soybean oil and here's the thing you might not consider buying these at home but keep this in mind please if you go out and, and, and get takeout or go to a restaurant most places that's what they're using and since sunflower oil got more expensive recently now they're swapping in soybean oil, which is, you know, it's it's worse because, again, it could be uh, GMO. And just think about if it's, if it's and you, you bet, you bet your bottom dollar, it's not the, the, the stuff in the takeouts and the restaurants and the food in the stores uh, is not organic, right? It's not. So God, just God only knows the amount of garbage in there and how, just God only knows the damage it's doing when it gets into your body or your 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 child's body you know it, i i have a very serious I, I've, I've done so much research at this point on these that i have an extremely high aversion to it and you know one of my guilty pleasures is um nice potato fries or chips and there's a restaurant nearby here that you know you get fish with chips and um I do eat it once in a while, I, but I feel very guilty, honestly. And uh, 
at least the fish has omega-3 and mitigates that bad aspect. And before I would come home and I would just pump myself uh, with um, fish oil tablets uh, or capsules just to kind of reduce some of that damage. You know, it's, that's how much of an aversion I have. So these, and so, okay, so what, what does Sally say about safflower, corn, sunflower, soybean, and cottonseed oils? So over 50% omega-6, except for soybean oil. Quote, research continues to accumulate on the dangers of excess omega-6 oils in the diet, whether rancid or not. Use of of these oils should be strictly limited. They should never be consumed after they have been heated, as in cooking, frying, or baking. High oleic safflower and sunflower oils produced from hybrid plants have a composition similar to olive oil, namely high amounts of oleic acid and only small amounts of polyunsaturated fatty acids and are thus more stable than traditional varieties. So high oleic, safflower and sunflower oils. Maybe you could make an exception if you get those organic, right? And then here's what she says. However, it is difficult to find truly cold-pressed versions of these oils. So if you're getting sesame oil... Um, Look for cold pressed. This is again uh, the more of a mechanical way of extracting the the oil, as opposed to what I was talking about earlier with like uh, solvents and ke- basically chemical extraction, like with uh, uh, hexane, and um, it's just just an industrial process. I mean, I, I forget which type of oil it was, but back in the I think. Uh, decades or maybe a, a century ago it used to be called i think one of the uh, rape i think rapeseed oil uh, which is canola oil in the usa it used to be called machine oil so they were using it to lubricate machines machinery like gears and, and bits like that and what's happened over the last i think it's it this was in the late 1800s um and just over the last uh few decades they decided to feed it to to the plebs to us you know to people <laughs> machine oil that this, this stuff doesn't belong anywhere near your 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 mouth or your kitchen table i tell you okay now next up in the book canola oil 50 let's just quickly say okay so 57% oleic acid which is not bad 23% omega 6 10 to 15% omega-3. The newest oil on the market, canola oil, was developed from the rapeseed, a member of the mustard family. Rapeseed is considered unsuited to human consumption because it contains a long-chain fatty acid called erucic eru- acid, which under some circumstances is associated with fibrotic heart lesions. Canola oil was bred to contain little, if any, erucic acid and has drawn the attention of nutritionists because of its high oleic acid content. But there are some indications that canola oil presents dangers of its own. It has a high sulfur content and goes rancid easily. Baked goods made with canola oil develop mold very quickly. During the deodorizing process, the omega-3 fatty acids of processed canola oil are transformed into trans fatty acids similar to those in margarine and possibly more dangerous. A recent study indicates that heart-healthy canola oil actually creates a deficiency of vitamin E, 
a vitamin required for a healthy cardiovascular system. Other studies indicate that even low erucic acid canola oil causes heart lesions, particularly when the diet is also low in saturated fats, fat. So that is pretty nasty. Canola oil or rapeseed oil as it's known in Europe. Keep in mind, again, I know you might not buy it. I know you might not buy it. Keep in mind, this is the kind of garbage that they're putting in the, the, the deli counters, in the salads, the food in restaurants, takeouts. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. This is pure, pure poison, in my opinion, like in many other practitioners and nutritionists' opinion. This stuff is poison. So w- what's the moral of the story here? We need to, as much as possible, cook our own meals buy our own ingredients, know exactly what's going in our food. It, in fact, if you do this, you you will um, actually spend less money, buy higher quality food. Yes, it, it is possible. Even with organic food, like if you look at a, <clears throat> a, a, a meal in a restaurant, let's say a cheap meal would be like 30 bucks and uh, for two, three, four people, let's say 100 bucks. Uh, or takeout could be 80 bucks. And, you know, that's one liter of really good organic olive oil, 10 10, uh, euros or dollars, I guess, and uh, fruits and vegetables uh, for 40 bucks, and then some meat for 20, 30 bucks, a kilogram or two of, of good meat or fish. So, and you will create three, potentially four meals out of this for two, three people, four people, uh, whereas it's one meal take out and and it will be much healthier right and i mean you 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 should probably you probably know this stuff already i'm just kind of i I know a lot of folks they kind of get into the habit of of takeout and when you're busy working and stuff like that but um you know there is a price that we pay to do for that convenience unfortunately okay next up flaxseed oil so 9% 9% saturated fatty acids, 18% oleic acid, 16% omega-6, 57% omega-3. So it's very high in omega-3, which you would think is good, right? Uh, so flaxseed provides a remedy for the omega-6, omega-3 imbalance so prevalent in America today. Um, so here's, here's a couple of caveats, right? So you want to go for the the she refers to new extraction and bottling methods have minimized rancidity problems so again uh polyunsaturated fatty acids like omega 3s and uh omega 6s they go rancid very quickly so with this type of oil you certainly don't want to heat it you want to you maybe drizzle it on a salad or you know use it like a to dip and to to add a little bit of uh, oil to to dishes but you don't heat it it needs to be kept in the fridge and consumed in small amounts like in a salad dressing or a spread right you don't want to go overboard with 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 um with these oils and then she she talks about here tropical oils so palm oil uh and coconut oil these are so coconut oil is 92% saturated fat, 
palm oil is about 50% saturated. Um, organic, co- uh, just just to kind of wrap this up because it's, it's getting quite long. Um, what I would recommend for these is not to not to buy palm oil. It's it's not not common. It's more common as an ingredient in spreads and uh, you know cookies and whatever other processed foods there are out there. But you can. It's fairly cheap to buy coconut oil, um, organic coconut oil in jars, like say half a kilo, even a kilo. Um, the big, the big uh, kind of stores here, Aldi, Lidl, you know, these guys, they all have their own name brand of organic stuff. So they get a lot of, they get it in high quantity, so it's cheaper. So then they, they kind of carry over the, the 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 savings to the the final consumer, us. So they're good. Coconut oil is pretty versatile. It's you can get it un, um, uh, unflavored, which is good for cooking. Um, the flavored stuff obviously will impart its I I like the flavor of coconut and the smell. Um so and especially like if you want to create some treats, uh bake some 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 nice stuff with it, it's great. Otherwise the unflavored stuff is good. You can do a, an omelet, you can do any type of fry, uh, you know, curries, very cool. Indian style food, Chinese style food. I guess coconut oil would work in that as well. And it's got not just saturated fatty acids, but the medium chain fatty acids that I was talking about, uh, MCTs. So these are uh, good for the brain, good for the, again, like they have the antifungal and antimicrobial properties. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great, it's a great um, oil to add a little bit to the diet. Uh, it, it, it will never go back. Actually, um, I had a phase where I would, a throw in my coffee in the morning. It's known as a bulletproof coffee. I throw, I'd throw some um, butter and either coconut oil or ideally this uh, MCT oil, the the C8, the caprylic acid, and you you blend that up. It's called a bulletproof coffee, as I said, and it's really just very satiating, very nice. The caffeine drip goes. It, it the the caffeine is uh, goes slowly into your body, so you don't get like a jolt of caffeine. Um, so you can go, you know, without breakfast for quite a few hours. So really nice. But uh, yeah, so coconut oil, another health healthy food, right? Um, I I think that is all. Oh 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 oh, of course, God, how can I forget butter? Organic butter or grass fed butter like Kerrygold. This this is just. It's gold. This is a really great food. So I believe all children should should um, should get butter in their diet daily. Uh, again, saturated fats, some some vitamins. Um, so just to summarize, sa- uh, saturated fat is very important for a healthy diet. Um, animal fats are actually very healthy. They go less less rancid, uh, or they, they don't go as uh, rancid as quickly. Um, so, chicken, uh, duck, and goose fat are great for for cooking lard if you can find it. Beef, tallow, olive oil is great. We should all, I believe, we should all um, eat and you know in, in, ingest more olive oil. Stay away from peanut oil, sesame oil. Well, it, very, I would re- I would use very little sesame oil, safflower, corn, sunflower, 
soybean and cottonseed oils, I wouldn't even consider buying these. Never. I don't. I don't. I would almost never use them. Um, and, for, and and I would keep in mind that if you're eating out, you are almost any meal in a restaurant uh, that that contains these. Uh, you it, you just have to consider the cheat meal. So you would. I'm not saying don't go to the restaurant and don't eat takeout or whatever else we all do, but consider that a cheat meal. So even if it's if it looks relatively healthy, if it's got a bunch of this oil and God knows what else, it's not a healthful meal. So you need to, after that and before that, act accordingly. So if, if you're going to have a cheat meal, then the next couple of days, two, three days, you need to be, you know, on point, uh, ideally, right? This is at least, you know, for folks that want to maximize uh, their children's health and their family's health, right? Canola oil, stay away from it. Keep in mind, it's, they're putting it in everything nowadays. Again, flaxseed oil, um, you, can, you can use a little bit, keep it re uh, refrigerated. The tropical oil, oil so palm oil, um, you wouldn't really buy it in the store, but coconut oil, having some around the house to add a little bit of, because here's the other thing, just to kind of uh, finish off with this, is, you know, kids they, a lot of kids don't eat much so if you can throw a little bit of say coconut oil in there or a little bit of butter even 10 grams uh is 90 calories roughly let's say 10 grams of butter is 90 calories or whatever so if you can throw that uh in there you're giving them saturated fats you're giving them uh you know sometimes in some of these cholesterol uh you're giving them calories energy and uh, you know, basically uh, building materials for for the nervous system because it's made from cells, and saturated fat is required in the cells, right? And we know with autistic children, we have to give them everything we can, all the building blocks we can for to build their body knows what to do with them, right? So we need to remove the things that are uh, taken away from their health. So the toxic exposures, the horrible uh, uh, chemicals, additives in the processed foods and give them healthy organic foods free from those toxins and their body knows what to do with them. It, it, the blueprint is in their DNA and you give them those building blocks, remove the, the, the bad building blocks or the bad, the bad stuff and good things will happen if you stick with it. So thank you very much for listening um again just to remind you if you find this information useful there's a 300 page book that i published a couple of years ago the amazon link is down below please check it out um with kindle you can return it within i think two weeks or four weeks so even if you think it's not useful you can always return it but i, I strongly believe that it should be a part of your library and you will get great benefit from it um, so yeah, thank you very much for tuning in today and I will see you soon on the next episode.